guys, I'm Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle. A Christian girl's guide to modern dating. We are just two single girls trying to figure out how to date well as Christian women. Yes, we are. So thanks for being here. We're glad you're here. We're, we're glad very, we're here. We're <laughs> That's always something to be happy about, right? It's been a long week. It has been. Like, not in a bad way. I feel like when holidays start approaching, yeah. the weeks just slow down. And then you get to holiday weeks and it's like... Super fast. Yeah. I think it's because all those things that you've been like, oh, I'll do that later at work. Suddenly you're like, I should really do that before I go for the holidays because then I don't have to think about it. And so it's like, ah, I'm crazy busy. Or at least exactly. that's how it is for me. Exactly. My procrastination catches up to me. <laughs> I agree. I yes. agree. Well, today we are going to be talking about contentment because that's a word every single girl loves to hear. But we're going to be talking about, or we're going to be asking the question, I should say, are you content with where you are, or are you just distracted? And this is a question we've actually had to ask ourselves pretty recently. So we thought it was a fair question to kind of dive into a little bit. We weren't the only ones. Yes. Yes. Exactly. But before we get to that question, we're going to distract ourselves a little bit longer. Yes. And our question of the day is next. I'm so excited. So it's my turn. I have the question. So Kristen, are you ready? I am. You've put a lot of hype around this question. I'm excited about this one. Okay, so what is something that you're very glad you did, but you would never do again? Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That is such a great question. Can you answer yours first while yes, I'm thinking? Yes, I can. I okay. have to stop and think about it for a minute. Okay, so the thing I did, I... Oh, man, it's it was in 2008. Okay. I... Worked on a presidential campaign, which was like a bucket list thing for me. I did not know this about really? you. You didn't know no. that? I did. I, um, I was, it was on the grassroots side, but I was the national coordinator of like print media and like reaching out to like editors of newspapers and like getting like the platform into that stuff. And like we would write letters to the editor. We had a couple of things in like, New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, like How letters did that people I not had know this. Um, so I didn't actually do a ton of. Well, I wrote, I did a lot of the writing, and then like dispersed it to people like nationwide. I was like, hey, reach out to your local newspapers and radio stations, and here are the talking points. And so I was like the coordinator of that for wow. like hundreds of like newspapers and like all kinds of stuff. So that's something I did. It was a bucket list thing. I had always wanted to work on a presidential campaign, and I'm so glad I did it. But I would never <laughs> do that again. In fact, like I, I really enjoy politics and current events. But yeah. ever since that, all of that, you're like over it. Yeah. From that perspective, well, at I least. I look at it, and I'm like, I know what really goes on, and I know how. Like it's just. Yeah. It's tough, and so it's never been quite the same. I still enjoy political discussion. I enjoy like keeping up with events, but politics in America today is kind of a mess. And yes. I don't, like, I'm kind of over that. But anyway, not to get way down that direction. Um, but yeah, that's what, that was my thing. This is a great question. I am actually having a really hard time coming up with something. Okay, okay, I think I've got one. What? This is not going to shock you at all when okay. I tell you this, and this is probably a pretty lame answer, but my first summer of college, I worked full-time that summer. So I was working 40 hours a week. I'd never done that before. I was making pretty decent money for a sophomore in college. And we went um, to Pigeon Forge for the 4th of July for that weekend. And we went to the outlet mall one day and I spent $500 in one day on 
clothes, shoes, jewelry. I bought a $100 coach bag. Oh, my goodness. Just went nuts. For, like, I literally kept that bundle of receipts for years because I was, like, this will never happen again. So, no. So, I loved it, and I, like, felt so proud of myself because I'd literally done nothing but work, but I am never going to, like, go and spend $500 in a day. On frivolous stuff. On frivolous things ever again. That's a good one. Thank you. to be responsible. Thank you. I feel like that's the lame, like, oh, this was... I mean, it was very fun. And as a 19-year-old, you're like, I have money. This is so great. But, yeah, that that probably... I think that's really good. That will will not happen again. (laughs) I'm okay okay. with that. Good. I will be content with that. There you go. There's your segue. Good job. So, now that you teed it up, we'll take a swing at it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, let's start with... The question, since we're talking about contentment, what is contentment when we say that? Like, what are we, just so everyone's on the same page, like, what are we talking about? Yeah, I think as we try to sit down and define contentment, because for once Wikipedia didn't have a great definition for us to pull from, (laughs) but I think it's three things. It's resting in whose you are, who he created you to be, and the work he has for you to do right now. Yes. And I think if you focus on those things and and have that mindset and you are truly resting in that, I think that is how you feel content. I think, yeah, I think the key thing there is you said resting in those things, not knowing those things, mm-hmm. but choosing to then be content in them. Yeah. Rest in the the fact of what those things are. And like we've talked about before, your life as a single person is not about sitting around waiting for Prince Charming or wallowing in loneliness and self-pity. There's work to be done now that God has for you as a single person. He won't waste a second of you being single. There won't be a single second of singleness in your life that isn't about making you more like Jesus. He's not, I mean, I'm not trying to trivialize it, but God is not up there going, oh, you know what? I forgot about Bethany and Kristen. My bad. (laughs) I meant for them to be married years ago. Totally forgot. There's a reason for that. And there's a, you know, there's a reason for that for you too. It's not a waste. It's not an accident. It's not because there's nothing for you to do. There's work to be done. So get to it, really. Yeah, and maybe that work is actually giving you time to truly decide who you're putting your trust in and learning to really lean into Christ when things aren't going exactly how you planned. I know for me, that's a huge thing. And that's been something that I think I've grown a lot in, but I still have a lot of area for growth in that particular uh, mindset is to remember like my ultimate trust is not going to be in a guy or in a husband. It is in my heavenly father. And I think being able to get to that mindset is so important. It is important. This is not something that is just a preference, like we've talked about with so many other things and so many other episodes, things where maybe we were different and it was a preference and things we liked were different. This is a place where we are called to be content. This isn't something where if I don't want to, but you do, that like that's okay. This is a right or wrong issue. We are called to be content but we're not promised an easy, happy, always fun life. No, not at so all. So if you take those two things, you're going to have to be content in tough situations. You're going to have to be content in places in life where you probably didn't see yourself. But that's good for you. 
Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah. I mean, think about Paul. Like, you brought up this chapter a few episodes ago where he's talking about how he's learned to be content in every single situation. Paul was in prison. But no, he's he talks about being content in every situation. And while Paul, like, had a lot of really incredible moments as a pastor and a preacher and a speaker and an evangelist, he also had some really low points in his life. So for him to say, like, he was able to find contentment in all those situations. Like, that's the goal. And, like, what an incredible example that he set for us as he was following Christ in his own walk that, like, we can learn to follow too. And a lot of us aren't facing situations nearly that extreme. Um, But the goal is still the same. Yeah, and even in that, he said the secret to being content is realizing that through Christ... You can do all things. Mm-hmm. Like the secret to being content is realizing that you can't do it. You have to, he has to enable you to do that. Um, we tend much more simply and can do it on our own if we're going to go towards discontentment. Yeah. And I think that manifests itself in so many different ways in our lives, um, which the big one we're going to talk about today is distraction. Um, because if you're distracted, you don't have to stop and really give thought to being discontent. It's an avoidance thing. Um, but there's a, I mean, that's how, I think that's one for both of us that we've both struggled with. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Because I'm sure there are other people out there too who have struggled with that same thing. Or maybe they don't even realize it. It took me a long time to realize that's what I was doing. Oh yeah, for um, sure. But there's a lot of other ways too that discontentment can manifest itself in your life on a day-to-day basis. Oh yeah. I mean like comparison, for instance. I mean, that's, Especially as girls. Especially as girls, especially with social media. I mean, there's so many things that point us to compare ourselves to other people and compare our seasons of life and our relationships and our stuff and whatever else. But I think it was Theodore Roosevelt who said that comparison is the thief of joy. And I remember last year I was sitting with one of my mentors and we were talking and I was going through a pretty rough season of I was not where I wanted to be with my job I was, you know, just as single then as I am now and was just discontent. And she called me out and she's one of those people that's just so sweet, but she will call you out and you know when she does that it's serious. But she's like, Kristen, you've lost your joy. Like you can, you can tell by the way that you are carrying yourself, by the way you interact with people, like your joy is gone. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be somebody who's lost their joy. Like, what kind of manifestation of of my faith is that, you know? Like, so I think it's so important to realize that comparison is huge in a way that discontentment can manifest itself or be brought on Mm -hmm. um, when you're finding yourself in a place where you're just constantly comparing yourself to other people. Yeah. And another way I think, too, is just in a complaining spirit or attitude. Like if you're constantly just complaining about life and where God has you, and maybe you're not even directly complaining about where God has you, but if you're constantly complaining about your life and your lot in life and woe is me, you are complaining about where God has you in life, whether you acknowledge that or not. And that is just discontentment rumbling around in there. And it comes out through your mouth in the form of just constantly complaining. Yeah, and I mean, that's in a way just pointing out that you aren't being trusting. 
Yes, very much. And I mean, there are a bunch of different ways that discontentment can be kind of sprung up in you. These are just a few. We just want to hit on a couple of them. But like you said, we kind of want to hit on distraction. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree with what you said, too. This is something that's kind of new to me as far as I think it's been a theme, but I hadn't really recognized that it had been a theme in my life up until recently. Really, probably since we started talking about this Mm -hmm. and just not knowing or not realizing that that was the word for it, I guess. Well, and in our... American culture, I think it's so like being so busy is like this badge of honor. Oh, for sure. You know, that like you're how just thinly can I stretch how myself? How much can I do? And you're like superwoman, and you just do everything and for everyone. And so it's easy to let that become your goal because it, and then you don't have to stop and think about your true heart attitude about where you're at in life. So yeah, I think it's an easy place to be. And if you don't stop and think about it, you won't even realize. Because I didn't for a long time. You won't even realize that you're doing it. No, not at all. I mean, I recently just came out of one of these seasons where, I mean, three of my closest friends got married within a year and a half of each other. I was the maid of honor in two of those weddings, and I was a bridesmaid in the other one. So I think we've talked about this. Busy days for you. Busy days. Busy year, (laughs) year and a half, two years if you count engagements. Mm -hmm. But I think I made a point, not really realizing it, to stay busy and through all of that two years because I didn't want to sit down and think about the fact that I was alone and I didn't want to acknowledge the fact that I was going to all of these weddings without a plus one. Well, and if you stop for very long at those types of events, people have weddings and romance on the brain and they love to jump at the chance to ask why you're single. Why aren't you dating anyone? You're such a nice girl. You have so much to offer. If one more person tells me I have so much to offer, (laughs) I may lose my mind. So it's hard to when people say, Oh, you're so great. There's so much you have to offer. But then nothing's really happening. No one seems to see that. And so you can't help but stop and say, okay, well, there's obviously something that's not okay. And so you kind of get into this place of busyness of, I've got to fix me. When maybe, like you said earlier, all God wants you to do is trust him and to stop and to rest and to just be, be still and know that he is God. Yeah. Maybe that's all you need to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's something I'm learning. Not something I've learned. Not something I've mastered. <laughs> not something I'm learning because I am not a person to naturally just sit still. Yeah. And it's not, I don't think it's talking about a literal sit still. I think it can. Like you can stop and, you know, really meditate on the word and think about those things. But it's a stillness of spirit, of in your soul, knowing that he is God and being okay with Everything the world is screaming at you, everything that's happening around you, let it go on, but you be still. Yeah. And I think that's a tough place to get. I don't think it's a place we'll ever fully realize this side of heaven, but I think it makes you long for heaven. Like, I want that. So, that's something to keep inching towards. Yeah, well, and I think we have to be okay with sitting in our current state, just like you said. We have to be okay with like you said it may not even be sitting still but like yeah bringing our minds to a halt and our hearts to a halt instead of thinking like I want this I should be here why don't I have this what's wrong with me it's like no this is who I am this is how God created me this is where he has me at this moment in time and how do I be okay with that and not just be okay with it but how do I make the most of it Oh, totally. Well, and be, like you're saying, sitting in your current state, I think it, it just be present now. Don't wish away now 
for a hypothetical tomorrow that you've mm. built up in your head. That's good. I mean, because there's certainty today. And I can tell you with certainty, God wants to make you more like him. He will use hardship in your life to sanctify you to be more like him. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. So don't wish away what God can teach you today for something. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. No. You don't know. To be blunt. No. I mean, Matthew 6 is very clear. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Like, you worry about today. Like, you can focus on today. Like, God has given you today. And I think one of the biggest things I've been learning in this season of being single is I do not want to look back on these days, these months, these years that I'm not married and wish that I had spent them differently or wish that I had done more or, like, been making more of an effort to grow and mature and lead and Mm -hmm. pursue the things that God has put on my heart. I don't want to look back and this be a season of idleness. Yeah. You don't know what God's preparing you for now. Well, you don't know what he's preparing you for in the future now, yes. I guess is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. And there's, um, I love this story. There's a, a lady that my family has known for years. She's my parents' age. I know who you're talking yes. about. And so she got married a few years ago in her early 50s, late 40s. I'm not totally sure. She'd never been married before. She's one of the sweetest people you will ever meet. And there were always, you know, there were guys in her life. There were people she dated. It just never got to that point. There was always something that, you know, just it wasn't the right person. And she never got, but she was one of the most pleasant, you know, I don't know all of the struggles in her life, but she was one of the most content-seeming people I had ever met. When she got married, though, her husband was a widower. Mm. His wife had died a few years prior from cancer. He was a pastor. He had kids who were grown. And that is her husband. But for all of those years, God was preparing her for him. But he had to walk through all of those other Mm -hmm. things. And it couldn't have worked before that. No. Because God had that path for him to walk, you know, and to walk through all of those trials and all of that stuff. And all of the time he was preparing her to be his wife. She didn't know what that looked like. But I have just loved, like, sitting at that wedding, it was the coolest thing ever to just sit there and see, like, God's plan come to fruition. And it's been such an encouragement to just say, you don't know what tomorrow is. You don't know what's out there. You don't know what God's preparing you for. And so don't, don't wish that away. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like, she had no way of knowing that yeah. that was going to be her story and exactly. that that was on the other side of it. And that's such a beautiful picture of her just trusting And going back to that trust thing of, like, if we knew everything that was going to happen for us, there would be no need for us to trust God. My dad told me that all the time growing up. It's like, you are in, you are kept in the dark about things. Well, Deuteronomy says the secret things belong to the Lord. Yeah. There are things you don't know and you won't know. Yeah, and you won't know. And that's okay. Yeah, and as followers of Jesus, how great it is that we have somebody that is that trustworthy, that we can totally and fully have faith in his plan and in his timing and in where he's got us right now. we don't have to worry that he'll forget. No. He'll make a mistake. And I know that sounds like, well, of course not. But when it comes down to it, pedal to the metal, 
do you really believe that? Yeah, because it's one thing to know it in your head, and it's another thing to believe it in your yeah, heart. Yeah, like we were talking earlier about the difference between knowing and resting. Mm-hmm. And it's a small difference, but it's huge mm-hmm. in how it impacts your life. I totally agree. From a practical perspective, though, just some like practical advice here on this. Don't make this harder on yourself than it has to be. If like I think this being like being this, content. Yes. Okay. Yes, like this striving for contentment. If you know. Like that there's certain music or there's certain movies or like maybe even certain things you read that escalate the discontentment in your life. If you watch a romantic comedy and you just, then you're discontent because you want that to be your life. Mm -hmm. You spend too much time on social media. Yes. You spend, yeah. You're comparing yourself to other people and that breeds discontentment in you because why does God not have give you what he gave that person? Don't do those things. Yeah. I mean, if you know that, don't have such a prideful attitude of thinking, well, I know that's normally how it is, but I can do it anyway. Mm. I'll, it'll be fine. I'm good enough. I can handle this. No, you can't. It doesn't mean forever, but right now that thing is causing you to struggle. Well, it's not causing you to, you're allowing it to, mm-hmm. but it's not helping anything. Yes. Yeah, so don't do that thing. Yeah. Don't watch that movie. Don't listen to that music. Or if there are certain situations or different things that Make that even more. Don't make it harder on yourself than it is, really, is what it yeah. comes down to. I mean, this is what I used to do in high school and college all the time. I'd be in a certain mood, or I'd get out of a breakup, and I'd be listening to the really sappy old-school Taylor Swift and eating Ben & Jerry's. And that wasn't helping anything. Like, it is it is feeding the feelings that I'm feeling, and they weren't healthy or helpful or productive things. Now, sure, it's one thing to acknowledge your feelings or your emotions, but it's another thing to continue to, like, wallow in them or and it's about like you said earlier how you're acting on them like you can acknowledge the fact that you're lonely but Mm -hmm. you don't have to sit there and pout in it exactly and that's the difference and so if you can remove these things whether that's tv social media music whatever to make that easier on yourself then do it and if the thought of doing that causes your chest to tighten or your like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Then I would say for a whole host of other reasons, <laughs> you need to do that. Yeah. Because that thing has become an idol to you. Mm-hmm. If having whatever that thing is in your life is more important than doing whatever it takes to please the Lord. That's a whole other issue. Yeah, that's a whole other set of <laughs> yeah. problems. But that, even more so, that thing needs to be eliminated from your life. Yeah. Well, and hear me when I say this, too, that contentment and satisfaction, I think, are two different things. Yes. They're very similar, but I feel like you can be content where you're at right now, but realize that your life still doesn't look like you wish it would. And whether that's you're content where you're at, but you know you don't have the job you want, or you're not in a relationship, or it could be a host of other things, but there is still, you still have the option to find contentment in your heavenly father, even when you're in the less desirable or less fun seasons that we're all going to go through at some point. Resting in the Lord doesn't mean you're going to sit around and never do anything because he's going to drop a husband and the perfect job and the perfect house and everything else in your lap. That's not what that means. Contentment is a heart attitude of truly trusting that he is good and his plan is best and you are going to trust and follow in that. Outside of that, you have freedom to pursue a different job. You have freedom to put yourself in a position to meet someone. Those things are okay. We're not saying don't do that at all. You can be completely content in who God in who God has created you to be and where he has put you in life and still be dissatisfied from a earthly perspective with some of those things and not being just 
satisfied or complacent. Maybe that's a better that's word. A good word. Like, that's a good word. Contentment and complacency aren't the same thing. It's there not that you you're go. dissatisfied. You're just wanting to be your yeah. best. You're, you're wanting not to settling. Pursue those other th- exactly. One other thing, and this is totally not in my notes, so if Bethany cuts this out, then it's fine. But one of my pet peeves is when it comes to the topic of contentment, I feel so much frustration when I hear people, specifically married people, tell single people, you'll find someone once you're content in Christ. Mm. That is not true. No, it's not biblical. No. First of all, do you are you telling me that every single person that's ever been every single Christian that's ever been married has been totally content in the Lord no. when they met their spouse? No. no. Also, I know people who are very content in where they are mm-hmm. and, and in their relationship with Christ, and they're still single. So don't think that oh, I need to just be content. Like, don't use it as a game for you to like, oh, let me see if I can. thing that you earn. No. Nothing about our lives as Christians is merit-based. Exactly. You don't earn your salvation. No. You don't earn earn your spouse. And so just because you get to a certain place of contentment doesn't guarantee that you're going to meet that person. But what it does guarantee is that you are going to become more and more like Christ and you are going to be in a place where he can use you in some really great ways and he can do a lot of things in you and through you. Because of the position of your heart. Yeah. So, I, that well, was yeah, a total when, little rant. When people say that, though, it the flip side of that is, since you're single, you must not be content in Christ. So, it gives you this, oh, well, I thought I was, but maybe I'm not because I'm not married. And, that like, it, it causes all sorts of yeah. troubles in the yes, head. Yes, <laughs> yes. And so, I didn't think of that literally until two minutes ago, but I no, wanted I think to make that really point. that's a really good point to make. Because I just hate that for single people... And I've been there where I've been told that. And I'm like, that's not helpful. No. And so don't get discouraged if someone tells you that. Just, you know, smile and nod and know that, like, contentment is worth pursuing. But not because you hope to get a spouse at the other end of it. If that's the only reason you're doing it, you've missed the mark. Yeah. Well, and, you know, people are like, oh, you'll meet someone when you least expect it. So then you try to go around all the time not expecting it so that you'll yes. meet someone. Has anybody Tell else me. tried to use reverse psychology on God? Because I totally have. Because I'm like, oh, I don't want to meet anybody right now. And if you it's say it out fine. loud, then you're like, you can bring him at any point. <laughs> I won't expect it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you've ever done that, join the club. Yes. Um, anyways, thanks for y'all for... <laughs> Sticking along with our tangents, and we're just going to keep going. Yes. One thing, though, that um, I really wanted to bring up because I loved this the first time I heard it is um, I want to talk about how you can foster contentment by being thankful. And Thanksgiving is coming up, so, you know, how timely. Good job. You know, trying to, trying to be relevant. But one of the girls in my small group started keeping a gratitude journal. She told us about it one night and I just loved this idea where every single morning she woke up she wrote down three things she was grateful for and every day she tried to name something different and she talked about what a game changer it was with her perspective on I'm not gonna sit here and dwell on things I don't have or that I wish I had I'm gonna be grateful and acknowledge the gifts that God's given me the blessings that he has bestowed upon me the things that he has brought into my life that have made it better and more exciting and more joyful and more fruitful. And I just loved that idea. And so some of you may have heard of that before, but I would highly encourage you to do it. I have done it. I'm not as consistent, but I do try to like, I have a list going and it's amazing what you can come up with 
of what you're thankful for and how that just immediately changes your outlook on your day and your perspective as you're just, you know, going through life. It's a lot harder to be ungrateful or discontent or whatever else. When you have this list of things, people, whatever, that God has brought into your life, it makes it a little more difficult to to look him in the face and say, well, why didn't you give me this? Mm Mm-hmm. You just can't do it. No. You see all that he's given you that you don't deserve any of it. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that um, one of my mentors, Elaine, she always reminds me of the verse that says, no good thing does he withhold. You know, and that's something you have to think that God loves giving good gifts to his children. And he has given you so much. And like, why are we focusing on the things he hasn't given us? And the fact that if you think about it, if it was good for you right now, you would have it. I mean, I've heard that taught before. Like, if marriage was good for me right now in God's eyes, I'd be married. So it's not that marriage isn't a good thing. It's just that's not what's best for me at this moment in my life or this season or maybe ever. I don't know. But I know that God is not going to withhold anything good for me. And to be able to rest in that and trust in that and believe that can be so pivotal, I think, in your faith. Oh, I agree. There's a, there's a quote from Spurgeon that I love. It says, remember this, had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. Hmm. Oh, I love that. So whether you understand it, whether you see it, whether you can explain it, where you are right now is where God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. And that is the best thing for you. The absolute best. Yeah. So. And what confidence can we have? Yes. Like when we understand that and we grab hold of that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that we remember that when especially when we are tempted to maybe settle for a guy that's not God's best because we've all thought about it. Whether we've acted on it or not, we've thought about it. And I think that that's just another way that we can distract ourselves of, I don't want to realize that I'm lonely. I don't want to admit that I'm lonely. I'll just go date somebody. He doesn't have to be great. He doesn't have to be what I'm really hoping for and praying for, but at least it's somebody so I'm not alone. And that's the last thing I want for you. Like, I want you to wait and I want you not to settle. I read a book recently that the author made this point at the end of the book and oh my gosh, it's just stuck with me. It's so good. He said it's so much better to be single and lonely than it is to be married and lonely. There's so much truth in that, I think. And obviously, neither of us has ever been married and lonely. We don't. But I just feel like being single and lonely is expected. Like <laughs> that you sounds just, so horrible, and, but it's so I don't true. Mean, but it's just, that's part of it. And like, everybody yeah. knows that. Single but, people can identify with that. Yes, but yes. when you go into a marriage, I don't think for anyone the expectation going in is that you're going to be lonely. So if you're married and lonely, there's also this added dynamic of unmet expectations too, which just compounds the loneliness because now you've got these expectations that are unmet and that just makes it so much more difficult. So yeah, if you're tempted to settle, and when we say for someone who's not God's best, we're not saying, and I think at this point we've said this enough, you know, we're not saying you have license to just expect your future husband to be perfect but we're saying if some if he's not pursuing Christ he's not deep in his faith he's not strong when it comes to being a leader or a communicator or these things that you've got to have to have a successful marriage if he's not those things and you know that saying yeah but he's here right now is settling and that's something that we want to encourage don't do that 
We've all been tempted. We've all been there. We've all had to wrestle with that a little bit, but don't do it. Loneliness itself is not a sin. How you deal with that loneliness is the true issue. If it leads to discontentment and self-pity and this woe is me attitude that doubts the goodness of God, that's sin. If you take that loneliness and accept that this is the place in life God has you right now and he's good and he loves you and he knows what's best for you and then take the time you've been given as a single person and use it for his glory. Make yourself busy with the work of the kingdom. Work that has eternal impact. That's the direction you want to be going in. Just, you know, God tested his people in the Bible. He can test you with a season of loneliness to see where your true heart lies. Is it committed to him or is it willing to settle or to step into idolatry or sin because it wants what it wants right now? And that's something you have to answer for yourself. We have to answer for ourselves. More often than not, I think our answer is probably not what we would want it to be. Mm. But that's where you're thankful for grace. You know, we don't have to be perfect because Christ was. God looks at us and sees him and his righteousness, and we can be thankful for that. And then day by day, strive to be more like him. And I think that's where contentment comes in, too. Like, there's contentment in just being who God made you to be, doing the work he created for you to do, and becoming more like him. So she just wraps up every episode so beautifully. Like, <laughs> I always make sure that Bethany is ending things, if y'all haven't noticed that. But no, that's so good. And that's such a good reminder. I hope this has been helpful for you guys and that this has been encouraging and just a reminder that you're not alone as you're fighting for contentment and you're fighting off this discontentment and figuring out how to navigate loneliness and all the things we talked about today. So... Our hope is that you've left here today with some encouragement and some practical steps on how to move forward with this. So, yeah. And I mean, we, if you need encouragement or you need, like, we can help. We'd love love to to hear hear from from you. you. We say that every week, but we really would. We do say that every week, but really, like, if you just need some encouragement from the word or some verses to meditate on and just truly, like, get in your brain and think on day by day like we can get that to you like if Mm -hmm. you you know if you want some more specific like direction like let us know we would love to anytime we hear from our listeners yeah take you on a journey that maybe we're a little further in yeah probably not when it comes to this though (laughs) i mean now that i think about it yeah we're figuring this out with you we are it's a day by day journey for sure okay though speaking of journeys let's tell them where we're going the next few weeks yes so we are going to be taking a break next week for Thanksgiving as most people do. Yes. We are big holiday people, so we're very excited about I am really excited. What are you doing? I my family will all be in town. We host every year. So oh, I have like wow. 15 people at the house. We'll go Black Friday shopping. Ooh. We'll go like play tennis as a family. Oh, have like fun. game nights. I'm going to visit Melanie. On Saturday oh, after yeah. Thanksgiving, I'm driving two and a half hours to go to Starbucks <laughs> with my best friend. But that's what you do when you have long distance friendships. Go. So it's going to be a fun week. Good. What about y'all? What are y'all doing? We have a big family. So I'm not hosting. My We always go to my grandparents. Um, Granny and Paw Paw. Yeah. I normally coordinate all the food. Why make, am I not surprised? <laughs> make sure everyone's, you know, not bringing the same thing. We don't need 15 pumpkin pies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we do that. We, I mean, we play games. 
we're pretty laid back, so well, except for when we play games. Yeah, obviously the competitive, competitive. side comes out in the white <laughs> family. Group. But no, we're not. We're not much of a Black Friday bunch. Okay. So we'll we like sleep too much. Yeah. <laughs> sleep in football. So sleep in football. That'll be our weekend. That's for sure. That's so fun. Well, we hope you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving week too. We will be back the week after Thanksgiving, and we'll probably be about five to seven pounds heavier each. yes so if you don't recognize this don't worry it's fine you know we we'll just pull it off our t- turkey a little yes, bit much. hopefully but <laughs> we'll be back the week after thanksgiving and then um we'll have four episodes left for this season so still a lot to come still yep. a lot of exciting topics and we're really excited for you guys to hear all about it but uh, until then i'm Kristen, and i'm bethany and this is looking for the middle mm-hmm.